So, Lord, we do pray. Would you hold our hearts? Would you make them tender and moldable like clay? Lord, would you um, open our ears and our hearts and our attention and even our focus and energy this morning to hear your voice? Lord, we, um, we give this time and this message to you, Lord. We thank you for your word. And we ask that through it, you would let your kingdom come and help us to grow into the vessels that you've made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we, as a church, are in the middle of a series that we're not sure when it's going to end because it's just been so good. Um, so we're in a series about growing up into maturity or growing up into Christ because Paul tells us that we're a body and that Christ is the head and that we grow up into the maturity of Christ who is our head. And so in that process, we've talked about different character traits of Jesus that we are all called to embody. So you might remember we've talked about gentleness and we've talked about patience. That one was really hard. Um, <laughs> We've talked about wisdom, growing up into wisdom. We talked about growing up into humility. Um, And this morning, we're talking about growing up into discernment. Now, discernment is a word that I think gets thrown around a lot. How many of you have been asked um, a question like, what does your discernment process look like? Or how have you discerned that? We like to use that. But to be quite honest with you, until I came to Gold Avenue Church, I'm not sure that I knew what that meant. Anybody else? It's good, because we're going to talk about it (laughs) this morning. It's important. Um, So to clarify before we get rolling this morning, we are not talking about the spiritual gift of discerning of spirits. That's a good gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Many of us have it. Most of us should ask for it. Um, But that's not where we're going this morning. We're talking about the discipline of practicing and applying discernment as opposed to the gift. It's also helpful to note before we get rolling that discernment is really close to wisdom. We've already had a sermon on wisdom, and as I was putting this sermon together, I found that it's actually quite hard to tease wisdom and discernment apart. They work together, um, and I want to pause it to you. That discernment is the applying of wisdom. Everybody with me? We apply wisdom and ask for the Lord's guidance in specific decisions, um, choices that we make. This is discernment. Is everybody with me? All right. So without further ado, we're going to look at two really short texts this morning, and I believe Sam has them on the slides for us. We're going to start with Isaiah 9, verse 6. Are we up there? Great. Isaiah 9, verse 6, you probably have heard this passage in the last week with Christmas, right? So Isaiah the prophet says, For a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You've heard those words a million times, but they're so profound. And then from John 20, verse 21, on the next slide, Jesus himself says again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
We're talking about discernment, but we've got a theme throwing, flowing through our text this morning, and it's this theme of peace. We see this theme of peace, and I've got a question. How many of you are at peace right now about everything? I can't put my hand up. Peace is a hard thing to come by, especially when we're faced with difficult situations or decisions or just circumstances. There's so many areas in life where things aren't just good or bad, black or white. There's these gray spots, these places of unrest where we're not quite sure what's what, what's right or what's wrong. So to start, I've got a story. And my husband, Brendan, um, has given me permission to share it, and it's convenient that he's not here. Um, (laughs) But I remember the very first time that Brendan and I went on a date. Now, my husband's really romantic, and he took me to this vintage lunch counter-style restaurant that sold only one thing, loose meat sandwiches. Has anybody ever heard of these? It's an Iowa classic. It's like ground beef that they put on a bun, and then they just cover it in like mustard and ketchup. Like, so gross. <laughs> it was really romantic. Now, I wasn't impressed with the restaurant at all, and I remember sitting there thinking, oh, my Lanta. But I just remember feeling this sense of tremendous peace sitting next to him. Now, Brendan and I didn't keep dating after our first date. That's a story for another day. Um, The timing just didn't seem quite right, and life went on. And so I did what young people do, and I went on more dates. And every time I went, I just remember this lingering sense of hesitancy and tension and unrest deep in a place I wasn't even familiar with. There just wasn't peace sitting across the table from anyone else no matter how smart or kind or godly or even handsome the guy across the table might have been. And I remember reaching this point of frustration, and I cried out to God, and I just said, God, if you want me to be with someone, you're going to have to give me a green light, like this tangible traffic light, like this one, this day, this time, this is it. And now that I know a lot more about discernment and how God works, I probably just should have stopped dating altogether and waited on the Lord. But I didn't. And after about a year or so, Brendan and I decided that it was time to give it another shot. Now, God didn't give me that green light, but he gave me that peace. And he gave that peace to Brendan, too. And I remember the night before our wedding, people ask you questions like, do you have cold feet yet? You know, like, are you nervous? Are you sure this is the one? And I can remember being nervous about things like how the food would be or if my hair would turn out. I remember wondering about what kinds of restaurants I'd have to go to in the future. And I remember being afraid of things like walking down the aisle in front of all those people and thinking about how our two families would get along and would everybody have fun. There were many things in my brain to cause fear or nervousness, but deep, deep inside I just felt peace. I knew that we were making the right decision. I knew that it was God's plan for us to be together. And I knew that we had discerned God's will right. You know that feeling? You had that feeling, that peace. Like you've made a choice and even if things are complicated, you just know. Like this is it. It's a beautiful feeling. 
that peace that passes all understanding. Wouldn't it be nice to have that peace in every area of our lives, in every decision that we've got to make? So often in this life, our circumstances seem to create themselves based on necessity or our emotional responses or instincts. It comes time to decide where we should live and we choose the one that fits a budget or is available. Circumstances set, whether we've got peace or not. When we think about who we're dating or who we're friends with, you just kind of go with what's convenient. This person has the same schedule. They seem kind of nice. Whether there's peace or not, circumstances are set. When we're asked to add something to our schedule, we think, oh, I've got availability, I'll give it a shot, or... Man, that would take a lot of time. I don't think I'm going to do it. When we start to think about what ministries we should be part of, we pick the ones that look interesting or the ones that feel like they might be something that fits our personal skills. Looking at jobs, we pick the jobs that pay the bills and are available. When our friends come to us and ask if they can help us out, we weigh the budget, we weigh the time. But we don't always take the time to look at our peace. Have you ever made a snap decision or even a drawn out decision and then immediately regretted it after? You make the decision based on the need or the circumstance and pretty soon you realize that that peace is gone. You move into a place because it makes sense and you come to realize that it's actually a pretty toxic or unsafe place to be. You sign up to be part of something until you realize that you don't actually have time for it. And now you're stuck. And you're there because you feel obligated. You start hanging out with a new friend or a significant other because they look like fun and you're having a good time. And pretty soon you realize that you don't like who you are with that person. That you don't like the choices that you make together. You help your friend with a couple bucks or a place to stay and you soon realize that you've been taken advantage of. And you start to feel deceived or used. You spend money on something because it's what all your friends are doing or because you like it and then you look at the budget and realize that things are going to be pretty tight. You couldn't actually afford that. Now I might not have listed your scenario, but I'm assuming they're coming to mind Moments where you've made a decision, you've said yes to something that you should not have said yes to, and now you're stuck. Or you said no to something that you should have said yes to, and you've got what the kids are calling FOMO, right? This, like, I have missed out on something good, fear of missing out. It's that sinking feeling of regret. It's a lack of peace. And you know, something tells me that even though Jesus was fully God, but also fully human, he didn't feel a lot of regret while he was on this earth. I was reminded of John chapter 11, you know, the story where Jesus' friend Lazarus dies, right? When Jesus arrives in Bethany to find out that his friend has been dead for four whole days, and even though he had been told ahead of time that Lazarus was sick and hadn't come, Jesus expresses absolutely no regret after the fact of Lazarus' death. He doesn't say, oh, shoot, I should have come right away when I heard that Lazarus was sick because then I could have come and prayed for him and he never would have died. There was no regret. Instead, Jesus appears to be in complete 
peace. Peace that passes the understanding that this man is rotting. So when Jesus' sister Martha tries to tell Jesus, Man, Jesus, you should have been here sooner. You could have prevented this. Jesus just says, Your brother will rise. And he goes to the tomb and he calls out Lazarus and Lazarus rises. And Jesus goes on to thank his father for this miracle. To thank his father that he had been glorified. To thank his father that this had been his plan the whole time. Jesus never lost his peace because Jesus knew that he was walking in the way that his father intended. Even when it made absolutely no earthly sense. Because those who look to him are held in perfect peace. Now, earlier in John 5, Jesus had explained to his disciples how he personally made his decisions because they're wondering, Jesus, how do you make these choices? And Jesus says, truly, I tell you, I do nothing on my own and I only do what I see my father doing. Jesus took his cues from God. He's held in perfect peace because his mind is always on God. His thoughts are always seeking to be in alignment with the thoughts and plans of God. And so he has Peace. Friends, peace is the fruit of being in alignment with the will and ways of God. Peace is the fruit of doing the work of discernment. And peace, like it was for Jesus, is available to us in all circumstances and in all decisions. Now we read this morning from the prophet Isaiah. A man who had foreseen the coming of the Christ that we just celebrated and had prophetically written about it. And Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government is upon his shoulders. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now let's tease this apart. We get this child born thing. We just celebrated that, right? A gift given as a child. But Isaiah says, The government is upon the shoulders of this child. Now the word for government in Hebrew here is a word that's misra. Can everybody say that? Misra. And it actually means dominion. Empire. This government that sits on the shoulders of Jesus is so much bigger than the United States government, than the Canadian government. Matthew 28, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Misra. This is the kind of authority that rests on Jesus. Isaiah goes on about this child and he says his name will be Wonderful Counselor. It's a little bit more like Marvelous Strategist. Miraculous Knower of All Things. Almighty, All-Powerful God, Perpetual Father unto Eternity, and the very Prince of Peace. Jesus. Authority over everything. The knower of absolutely everything unto eternity. Our Father unto eternity. The giver of all peace says to us in John 20, 21, Peace be with you. Peace. Because as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus says, I have peace because I walk where the Father sent me. Take my peace because if you walk in my ways, I will counsel you because I know it all and you 
will have peace. In John 16:13, Jesus makes things a little clearer when he says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So here's what it comes down to. God the Father, Son, and Spirit are one. We know this. They do not contradict each other. Their character is the same. And the Son and the Spirit do only what they see the Father doing. And they speak only what the Father says to speak. So if you are in Christ and you have his Holy Spirit living in you, that Spirit is literally the voice of God the Father. And it's a voice that is willing to be your wonderful counselor. Walking with God is not just about not doing what's bad and doing what's good. There are a million good things that we could do in any given minute. But there are very few holy things. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear that. God has one thing for you to do. There's a million good things. But he has very specific plans and purposes. And walking with him is not just about not messing up. It's walking in intimate unity with him and his will and his ways. Discernment is taking the time to slow down and wait for that counsel. Discernment is humbly submitting our own will, our own desires, our own plans unto his. Discernment is testing our own conclusions because we're human with the conclusions of others who also hear from the Lord because the spirits don't conflict. You and I have the same Holy Spirit. Discernment is working together to correctly discern the will of God. To test every spirit, every voice, and every good idea. To make sure that it's his and not ours and not the enemy's. And when we discern and walk in the way he leads, the fruit is peace. But it's so much bigger than that. It's not just peace because God bends to our will or our happiness. It's peace because God is so good. It's a mutual beneficial relationship. See, God has plans and purposes for each one of us that will literally advance his kingdom into the world. It's for the sake of the world, and he is so good to us that he makes sure that those plans are good for us too, that they produce peace, that they produce joy, and that they are exceedingly better than anything that we could ever ask or imagine. When we choose to not settle or to not discern, we literally settle for less than the best that God has for us. Choosing to not discern is literally settling for less. So I think we're all to the point where we're going, Pastor Julissa, I hear you, but how? What does it look like to discern the voice of God? What does it look like to live into peace that passes understanding? And what does it look like to live into those good plans, to understand them, to walk in them? And so here's a practical rundown of application, because friends, I am with you on this journey. As I was putting this sermon together, I'm looking around at my life going, I'm not sure I asked God about that choice. I'm not sure I asked God about what vehicle to buy or if we should get a pet. I didn't ask him. These are things that we should ask him. And so I'm asking him, Lord, how do we discern this? And it appears to me that the first thing is being in his word. What God says to you is absolutely never going to contradict what's in his word. They are one. Learn to know his word and get to know his character. Because if you know his word, you know his character and you can hear his voice. 
So if there's an area of your life that completely lacks peace, maybe a question that's unanswered or a relationship that's not healthy, whatever it is, bring it to God in prayer. Sit in the word. Listen to his voice. Ask a spirit-filled friend to to pray alongside you and commit to waiting on the Lord's guidance. If your schedule has you maxed out and exhausted, anybody? Just too much. Commit every element of it to God in prayer. Ask him, is this how I'm supposed to spend my time? These are all good things. But why am I so tired? Why don't I have peace? Pray with friends. Discern together. If you have a good idea, if you're wondering about dating, if you feel lost or without a purpose, if you've got decisions to make, don't do the Googling. Our God is a God of impossible, did you know? If it doesn't make sense to you, but he calls you to it, he provides. Ask him first, because he is the way maker. And after you've waited, and after you feel God has spoken, you take whatever he gives, and you do the work of discernment. And so... Sam, can you get us to the next slide? You've got these wonderful little bookmarks that came in your worship folder. If you don't have them, they're hanging out. If you've got it, get it out. Now, these are put out by PRMI. It's a parachurch organization that we work closely with. And I have found these to be tremendously helpful as I've grown in discernment. And so I want you to think about, just take a second to think about that thing in your life that needs to be discerned. I'm going to give you a minute. Is there anything in your life that you're not sure? Something that's taken your peace? Something that you're confused about? So you take that thing and you run it through the test. Does this choice or this situation give glory to Jesus Christ in the present and in the future? Because if you are walking in the way of the Lord, it will always bring him glory. Like Lazarus being raised from the dead gave God glory. That man died so the glory of God would be displayed in his resurrection. Does it give glory? Is this thing consistent with the intentions and character of God as revealed in Scripture? Is God asking you to do something that is against his character? Has God put you in a position that isn't part of his character? Do other people who are filled with the Holy Spirit have a confirming witness? Now, this is probably the hardest one for most people because you know what it requires. You have to take that hard thing and share it with somebody else. And you have to be willing to hear them if they disagree with you. Have you submitted your hard things to the body of believers? Jesus made us a body to operate together. Take it to your friends and pray together. This is what we're called to do. And number four, is there confirmation in objectively verifiable events or facts, good fruit? Okay, now I didn't know what discernment was when God gave me peace about my husband, but he has borne good fruit through it. What fruit will come from this decision? from this circumstance, and is it of the Lord? Is it good? Friends, this morning isn't about telling you that you've been doing it wrong or that you've been walking your own road, but it is an invitation for God's best. 
Because God has good plans and purposes for you, and he does not want you to settle for anything less than what he has. And he has given you the gift of the Holy Spirit to discern what that is and to walk in it. And so as we prepare to leave from this place, I want to invite you to look at your life this week. It's New Year's, right? Everybody's making resolutions. May we be people who resolve to walk in God's ways. May we walk into 2020 as those who are willing to do the work of discernment and to be those who embody his kingdom in our own choices for the sake of the world around us. And so I'm going to pray to that end. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you came as our wonderful counselor. Lord, we thank you that all your ways towards us are good and that you promise us exceedingly more than we could ask or imagine. And so this morning, Lord, wherever we are, if we're struggling to believe this, would you stir faith and hope that you've got more, that you've got different, that you've got better? Lord, would you soften us to be clay, to be molded towards your will? Lord, and would you give us gifts of discernment so that we can hear you, so that we can walk in your way? Lord, would you help us to be bearers of your peace and would you help us to fix our eyes on you so that we can be held in your perfect peace? In Jesus' name, amen.